Welcome to Smart Creation, the podcast, an invitation to explore the potential of sustainable fashion. Every other Wednesday, Adrian, your host, talks to key players in the fashion industry to discover new products and understand the challenges behind offering more responsible fashion and learn the solution available today. This podcast is brought to you by Première Vision, the leading event organizer for fashion professionals. To find out more, go to www.premiervision.com. Discover and enjoy. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to Smart Creation, the podcast. Today, I am with Marc Hartnell. He is the director of textiles at Sequel. Hello, Marc. Hi. Good morning or good afternoon. Good morning or good afternoon, exactly. Uh, to begin with, could you please um, introduce yourself and uh, and explain us what what is SQL actually? Okay, so as you said, my name is Mark Hartnell. I'm originally from the UK, but I've spent the last 20 years or just over 20 years living in the US, mainly in Spain, but also in New Zealand and, and just recently moved to Portugal. I have 25 years experience working in the textile industry in product and business development. And as you said, I'm now the director for textiles at Sequel uh, Initiative. Sequel uh, Initiative is an organization that was conceived in 2016 with a mission to support ocean cleaning and mm -hmm. raise aware awareness of plastic marine pollution. And one of the ways that we are doing that is by upcycling plastic marine litter into new materials like sequoia, which is the reason for our presence at uh, Premier Vision. Great. Is, is there any reason why you are based in Portugal? Um, no. Not, 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 no. The, the, the company, Sequel Initiative, is actually a Spanish company. Uh, mm -hmm. I've been living in, in, in Spain, apart from a couple of years in, in, in New Zealand for the last 16 years. Um, but no, the move to Portugal is, is a temporary move and it's, it's, a, it's a personal decision to come here for, for a year, a change more than anything. All right. Perfect. Um, you know, this podcast is about sustainable, uh, sustainability, sustainable fashion. Um, what does it mean according to you, sustainable fashion? What is sustainable fashion? Okay. So, I mean, sustainability is, uh, by definition is our ability to, to meet our needs today without compromising the ability of our children or our grandchildren, the future generations, to meet their own needs uh, in the future. So when we talk about sustainable fashion, we're talking about fashion that can be maintained at a level consistently without adversely affecting the world that we live in, without causing any harm. Um, so to be honest, I don't think we know what sustainable fashion is yet. I don't think sustainable fashion exists. Uh, it's something... Uh, that we're looking for. So to me today, sustainable fashion is a target. It's something that we are, we are all aiming for, or we should all be aiming for. Mm. Um, and I actually really like Patagonia's mission statement, uh, which I think is build the best product um, and cause uh, no unnecessary harm. Because mm. it, it's a very honest, very really honest very, um, mission statement. Almost nothing we do today is, is, is truly sustainable. So let's do the absolute least harm possible and, and keep improving. All right, and and Sequel is one of um, is one of a solution to become more sustainable, isn't it? Of course, um, our our basis is obviously around the ocean and the blue economy. How can we make? Uh, 
the blue economy economy more sustainable, more 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 circularity. Um, we've started uh, with the upcycling or recycling of, of marine litter. That's what we're what we're known for at the moment. And mm-hmm. we started uh, to produce the first pro- the product that we produced commercially was was sequel yarn, which is a, mm. a yarn that contains a percentage of marine litter that's uh, been collected by by fishermen or NGOs or communities uh, across Europe. Mm. Yeah, what is the percentage of uh, of uh, of um, recycled material uh, in this uh, in this fiber, for example? Well, sequel yarn itself is 100% recycled. It's 100% post-consumer recycled, um, post-consumer mm-hmm. recycled polyester. We hope to to launch different polymer types in the future, but the marine content is uh, 10 to 15%. Uh, and uh, as we as we improve, we're, we're increasing that, that percentage. It used to be 10%. Now we're, we're closer to 15% in most of the productions. Mm-hmm. And really, it, 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 it depends on the product. I mean, at the moment, we're producing as well polymers. Uh, for different applications, for for injection molding or blow molding, and in those uh, applications, the, the the criteria are, are much easier to meet. So, really, producing a, a synthetic continuous filament fiber, uh-huh. uh, as we do for sequel yarn, is probably one of the most challenging things. I mean, you have to consider that you're making uh, hundreds of filaments at a time for a single yarn. Uh, that are finer than a human hair and are running at 300 kilometers an hour. And you have to run those continuously for, for days, if not weeks, without any breakages. So the challenge of a, of a synthetic fiber being spun is actually is actually one of the hardest ones. And the quality mm-hmm. of the material we're, we're recovering from the sea is obviously quite low-grade polymer, quite low-grade plastic. Yeah, um, I can imagine. So really, it's, it's, it's been a, a fantastic uh, achievement to, to achieve 10 to 15%. And I have to say as well, I mean, we could... Uh, put a higher percentage in. But one of the decisions from the very beginning was to develop a yarn that had exactly the same characteristics and functionality as, as a standard recycled polyester for the mm. simple reason that we want this yarn to be interchangeable directly with any existing uh, recycled polyester on the market. So if you're currently using a recycled polyester yarn, you can switch that yarn directly for the sequel yarn without having to redevelop or have any changes in performance of your, your end product. Mm-hmm. And um, can you explain us the, the, the overall process of uh, of collecting the, the raw material in the ocean? Where how does it work actually? Because uh, we imagine uh, like both collecting the plastic on the on the ocean. Um, how, do, how do you turn it into into a fiber? Okay. Yeah. I mean. It, it, it changes. We started at the beginning in 2016, and in 2016, uh, we had uh, almost all of the, the, the waste that we were collecting was coming from uh, from fishermen, from trawler mm. fishermen on the uh, the Spanish Mediterranean. So these guys would go out and they do their days fishing, and inadvertently, when they're, they're catching their fish, they also collect a, a certain amount of, uh, of litter in their nets. And mm. we provided bins, and, and the fishermen at the end of the day would bring that waste back in. They would put it in the bins. Uh, and we would take those bins away, or our partners would take those bins away, do the sorting. So you'd first of all, take away all the metals and the plastic, uh, sorry, the metals yeah. and the glass and the organic, which all go through standard recycling routes. And then the plastic would be divided into its, its different polymer types. So we have four or five common polymer types that are, that are found in marine litter. So you have the PET, which we're using for the polyester. This is almost entirely drinks bottles. Um, then you have mm. polypropylene, which can be uh, fruit crates, or it can also be 
uh, shampoo or detergent bottles, HDPE, mm. high-density polyethylene, again, which can be uh, shampoo, detergent bottles, but also things like uh, the white milk bottles, plastic milk bottles you get. And then polyamide nylon, which is usually bits of leftover cord and, and rope from, from, from fishing industry. Um, once all of those polymers have been separated, they then go to their speci- uh, relevant specific uh, processing site or partner, uh, where they're converted, usually one or two processes. So, for example, in the in, in the case of PET, the plastic bottles are then chopped up into to small flakes, uh, separated from all the glues and the labels and the and the bottle tops and the caps, which are a, a different type of polymer. And then, when you've got the, the clean flake, these these small chopped up bits of bottle, uh, they're then transported to another partner who who melts them into a chip or a nurdle, which is the raw material that can then be re- reintroduced back into to industry. Hmm. But for each, each polymer and each process and for each application, the, 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 the process can be slightly different. Yeah. You know, in this, uh, in this um, industry, we're talking a lot about uh, microparticles. Um, I'm sure you are aware of this, uh, of this subject, uh, And a lot of people are saying, you know, we should avoid plastic and even recycle plastic because at the end of the day, uh, the main problems of the ocean is, um, is plastic and microplastic. Uh, what do you say to, to those people uh, saying that? Um, I mean, yes, of course, micro, microplastics are a concern. I mean, it, it's essentially why we're removing plastics from the ocean. Um, hmm. Macroplastics are, d- are defined as, as pieces of plastic that are over five millimeters in, in, in diameter, uh, and of course, yeah. by removing these plastics from the ocean, what we're what we're eventually doing, or the, the main purpose, the uh, objective of removing this plastic, is to prevent it from breaking down through through UV or friction or just through age uh, into microplastics, which are then almost impossible or are impossible today to, to remove from the ocean. Um, There are, of course, as you say, there's, there are microplastics that enter the ocean as microplastics, as particles. Um, and following the, the, the most recent data, there's about 12 million tons of plastics entering our ocean every year. This is, of course, an estimate, but this is a good estimate. Um, and of that, there's just under one, one million tons. So around 8% of that is actually entering our oceans as microplastics. Um, As we're all working within the textile industry, we're all very aware of, of, of microfibers. But actually, microfibers is not the biggest microplastic to be entering the oceans. Uh, okay. It's actually car vehicle dust. So uh, the, 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 the dust that comes off our, our tires when we're driving our cars, hmm. you know, we're wearing our tires down every year. All of that dust that comes off onto the road is being washed down into the drains, through the water systems, and eventually out to the sea. Um, there's also a large amount of, of microplastics coming from, from paints, both paints used in, in boats, but houses, on roads, all of these eventually get washed down into, into our oceans. Hmm. When we talk about microfibers, um, and Sequel Initiative is actually part of a, a, a consortium called Fiber Clean, along with the two founding companies behind uh, Sequel, Textile Santanderina and Antex. And Fiber Clean is a, is a four-year project that is, to, is looking at how to both define and solve the problem of, 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 uh, of, of microfibers. And mm. the important thing with microfibers to understand is, uh, first of all, it, it's not so much about uh, the, the, the plastic itself, but it's about the way we treat the, 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 the textiles and also the, the mm. garments. 
So the yeah. way that we uh, surface treat the textile, for example, has a huge uh, impact on the release of microfibers. So, for example, a continuous filament polyester yarn used in a, in a, in a simple knit uh, without any surface uh, destruction or destructive uh, surface treatment is going to release very, very few microfibers. In comparison, mm-hmm. if you take a, a polyester fleece where you've actually intentionally broken all of those fibers and created uh, small short shorter fibers that can be released very easily then of course you're going to release a lot of microfibers um Mm -hmm. and then also there's the additional uh idea that most microfibers are released in the first wash so there's a lot of work going on now as well to make sure that those those washes are done in-house in industry where we have the correct filters to to remove those microfibers before they even reach the consumer and then at Mm -hmm. the consumer level of course um, we're already seeing, I think, legislation, including in, in some European countries, where all new washing machines need to be fitted with filters to help remove these these microplastics or these micro mm. microfibers. Mm. It's also, also worth remembering that um, all all uh, fibers release uh, microfibers, uh, including cellulose. So even cotton fibers are, are released into the ocean. And there's been some recent studies showing that because of the the, the treatments that we perform on on cotton, for example, so high uh, antimicrobial treatments or high pressure, high, high temperature dyeing, we're actually changing the, uh, the structure of the cellulose. And even though you should be finding more synthetic fibers at the bottom of the ocean, we're actually finding more um, cellulosic fibers. So there's, hmm. there's a lot of, lot of work still to be done on understanding uh, our, uh, microfibers. Yeah. Wow, thank you very much. This is very... Uh... Uh, very clear your explanation. Thank you. Um, what are the? I mean, uh, what are the, the maybe the KPIs you are looking at to to measure your improvements? Uh, uh, and and what are the um, what are your your the key figures you can give us uh, regarding the the results you've you, you've been uh, uh, you, you have you you yeah you add over the last uh, a few years since you 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 launched um, uh, this initiative. Okay, so I mean, as I said, the, we started in 2016 working with with Spanish yeah. fishermen on the Mediterranean. Um, within uh, within that year, we already started working, I think, with Spanish fishermen on the Atlantic coast, then French fishermen on the Atlantic coast, and French fishermen on the hmm. Mediterranean coast. And then uh, as we've grown, I think last year, the majority of the, the, the plastic that we've, we've transformed into upcycle marine plastic has come from, from beach and coastal cleanups, working with NGOs both in France and in Italy and, and in Greece. And also now we have some fantastic NGOs we're working with within Ghana in, in Western Africa. Um, so one of the KPIs, obviously, the most obvious is, is, is how much waste have, has been removed from the ocean. And then, of mm. course, another one, which is probably the, the, the one that we use most, is how much of that plastic waste have we actually managed to transform into upcycled marine plastic and, and reintroduce into, into industry, into society. Mm. Um, it's a very relatively new uh, business, new, new company. Um, mm. The quantities were very small in 2016, 2017. We really started growing in, in 2018. But I think, I haven't looked at the figures since I came back from holiday, but I think we've now successfully transformed around, uh, I think it was 101 tons of, of, of uh, marine plastic waste. Uh, and it's difficult to know exactly how much that relates to in terms of, of, of total waste, because, of course, 
we're not uh, recycling all of the waste well, it's being recycled, but we are not converting it into upcycled marine plastic. There's the glass, there's the metal, uh, and the organic waste that comes out as well. And there are still some polymers uh, that we're, we're, we're trying to find and create markets for that we're not upcycling. But more or less, a good estimate would be that that 100 tons of, of plastic that we have uh, upcycled uh, will probably equate to around 600 tonnes of marine litter that's been removed from the ocean so far. Mm, mm. But that number is, is increasing exponentially. Um, I think probably 80% of that has happened in the, in the last year, year and a half. And, and, and from a business point of view, from a, you know, what is the success of, of, of SQL, one of the other KPIs we use, of course, is, is how many people are joining the community, how many companies are wanting to, to work with us and, and collaborate with us. Um, mm. And I can say that, I mean, I joined the company two years ago and we had 12, um, 12 companies that were licensed to work with upcycle marine plastics. We operate a licensing system. Uh, I think this week we've just passed the 700 companies and we've got about 30 companies. So one company a day joining us now uh, wanting to work with upcycle marine plastics. So yeah, the, growth, the growth is enormous. Um, in terms of uh, environmental KPIs as well, how we're performing both socially mm-hmm. and environmentally, uh, an important one for us now that we're, we're building into the system is, is, is the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. So we are yeah. looking at the measurables inside the, the, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and measuring our performance and the performance of our partners on those goals. And also we will be helping the companies that are using upcycle marine plastic uh, to present as well their own uh, uh, corporate so- so social responsibility in terms of, of the United Nations global um, sustainability goals. Mm-hmm. And uh, can you explain us how does uh, what is your business model actually? How do you how do you make a living? How do you how do you make money? Well, um, we are a for profit organization. Uh, not that we make mm-hmm. any money. <laughs> we are okay. a small organization. We're just a, a, a small team. Um, we work primarily with partners, so we're not doing, uh, we're not performing the ocean cleaning ourselves. That's done by uh, communities or NGOs or, or, or fish, fishermen. Uh, yeah. We offer the service to take the waste from from those groups, from those organizations, or from those individuals, and. Firstly, ensure that it doesn't go to landfill or to incineration. This is usually very low-grade yeah. waste, mixed waste. And secondly, use that waste to uh, give it a second life uh, and use that second life to raise awareness globally of the problem of, of plastic marine pollution. And at the same time, uh, highlight these organizations and these individuals that are working to, to, to clean our oceans. Um, mm. The licensing system... Is, is, is free. Um, people are, are, can make a donation if they wish towards the cost of running it. But SQL's model really is that we, we work with partners that do the collection, partners that do the, the processing. Uh, we license out the production of all of the, 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 the products made. So SQL yarn is produced by two licensed yarn manufacturers and then you know, the fabrics and the, the garments or products are all produced by licensed companies as well. Um, mm. And we... Um, manage the supply chain we create the uh, the amassing if you like one of the biggest challenges we have is that marine litter is collected in, in very small quantities uh, yeah. a, fish, a fisherman may bring in 
five, five, five kilos of waste, perhaps, of which one or two kilos may be plastic and maybe 200 grams is PET for making sequoia. So we need to have mm. a lot of fishermen and we need to have the ability to, to uh, amass uh, all of those collections from, from different organizations, different NGOs, different areas, mm. bring it all together so that we have a quantity that's large enough to pass through an industrial process. Uh, and to give you an idea, just to produce the flake. So after we've got the PET bottles to produce the Koyan, uh, the minimum order for, for running a batch for creating flakes, probably about 30 tons. So we have to amass 30 tons wow. of bottles before we can do this industrial process. Um, and then on top of that, we have, uh, um, we manage all of the certification, the chain of custody, the code of conduct. Uh, the marketing, creating the market for for for, for the yarn. So we, we we do a lot of a lot of roles. I mean, the the, the polymer itself as well has a uh, a tracer inside. It has a chemical tracer so that we can detect uh, our polymer. And all products made uh, from uh, from the upcycled marine plastic that we produce need to be certified by a laboratory. So, for example, every licensee that has a license to produce yarn or, or, or fabrics need to send those fabrics to us for certification so we manage that whole side of things as well so mm-hmm. in a way we we are the center to keep it all together we do the marketing the certification and the supply chain management um yes. yeah and on, on another on another level we, we're the catalyst that, that kind of makes all of the all of this possible connecting the right people Mm-hmm. And what is the vision for for SQL? And what is the well the vision, the mission, and uh, what it will be? I mean, what is your vision for SQL in the next well in ten years, or maybe in twenty or twenty five years, or in fifty years? What is your what is your dream? Well, um, first, I mean, at, at the moment we're we're expanding the the, the business in terms of of, of textile business so we'll probably hopefully be producing new new variants of sequel yarn in new locations expanding that business uh, in parallel to that what is important to us at the moment as well is is expanding into different polymer types and different industries we want to be cross polymer uh, cross sector and we want to be cross region so we want to be a, a global solution um, and offer local solutions uh, within a global market for a global problem um that's very important to us for, for 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 one very simple reason we don't want to be the organization that turns up to to people that are taking waste from the ocean and be cherry pickers we don't want to say okay we'd like the the pet or we'd like the polypropylene but you can keep the rest our model is very much we don't go out looking for the material that we need we go out and we see the material that's on offer that's being collected from the ocean and we work to create Uh, the market and the demand for, for what there is. So it's very important for us now to, to become cross-polymer, so to offer solutions not just in PET, but in polypropylene and high-density polyethylene, low-density polyethylene if possible, and also uh, polyamide. Um, looking even further ahead, um, uh, cleaning is, is a starting point. Um, helping to clean the ocean and support ocean cleaning is a starting point. But really what SQL is about is is doing good within within the blue economy. So everything to do with the oceans and the economies that serve, and the communities that live from the oceans, how can we help uh, them to become more sustainable? How can we move them more towards circularity? Uh, mm. How can we create 
collaborations and communities that uh, and provide solutions that can then be rolled out across these, these mm. different communities. So long term, mm. it's much more about looking at sustainability and circularity within coastal communities and the blue economy. Yeah. What are the, the biggest challenges um, um, coming in the, in the next years, according to, well, for SQL? Um, I don't know if I'd call it a challenge, but I mean, I think one of the things we've, we have at the moment, we, we've grown enormously quickly. Um, mm. In the last 18 months, we really have seen, seen enormous growth, and we've had to put in a lot of, a lot of systems uh, and really move from being a very small Uh, local organization to a, a much bigger, more global organization that, that deals with very big global companies. Um, I think, and I, I touched on this earlier, I mean, being local is very important to us. Yeah. Um, the oceans are obviously everybody's responsibility. Ocean pollution is a, is, is a global issue. Um, and the industries that we wish to work in, uh, textiles is a fantastic example. I mean, today we are collecting wastes almost Almost all of it is coming from, from Europe or from, from North and West Africa. Um, but a lot of the companies that we're working with, the big brands, the global brands, 80 to 90% of their production is being made in Asia. So we need to be a global company providing global um, solutions to global markets. But at the same time, the, uh, the solutions that we need to offer and the, the creation of communities Uh, that work together and, and the connection with those communities to, to collect the waste and, and, and process it is very local. So that's what we mean by it's glo global problems uh, and a global market, but giving, giving local solutions. So I think uh, how we grow over the next five years, uh, it will be very important to make sure that we, we, we preserve that, that local aspect to it. Mm, mm. How can the, the fashion industry um, and the textile industry accelerate its uh, sustainable revolution, according to you? Huh. Well, I think one of the key things is that we need to be very honest. Uh, if we exaggerate our successes or if we, we claim things are better or more effective or more sustainable than they are, we are, they are whether we're convincing ourselves or convincing consumers or end users. I mean, that, 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 that's stifling progress. So we need to be very honest about where we are and what we need to achieve. Um, and secondly, I think we need to design uh, for, for sustainability. Um, designers have a, a, a key role in, in, in sustainability. Uh, mm -hmm. Not only can they choose uh, or, or have a very high influence or big influence in the the materials and the production processes that are used. Um, but if they work closely with manufacturers and understand the limitations and the possibilities, they can, they can collaborate together to, to bring new materials and new processes to, to, to fruition. Hmm. Definitely. Well, um, we, we've been speaking for more than 25 minutes, so let's move to a quick rapid fire question now. Um, what do you want to close the door to in our industry? Uh, I would have to say fast fashion. Okay, yeah, I agree. But how can we how can we get rid of fast fashion? Oh, how can we get rid of fast fashion? Uh, wow! Well, uh, I think there, there's already there's already signs of, of a movement, uh, however small, towards producing things uh, garments of a, of a higher quality that last for longer. Yeah, I think there's also a move away from. 
um, rapid fire trends. In fact, I, I, I was speaking mm. with a, a journalist at, at Premier Vision last year who said to me, and I, and, I, and I really understood what she said. She said, I remember coming to Premier Vision 15 years ago and it was all about the latest fashions. You know, what was the, the, ne- the next color, the next touch? Uh, now, the fashion, the trend, trends is almost a dirty word. But the next trend is, is, is what's, what's the next sustainable trend? Everyone's looking for the next sustainable aspect. Um, I'm not saying uh, definitively that you can't have responsible fast fashion, or I think that, that I, I've yet to see it. But uh, I think producing uh, quality uh, garments that are going to last for longer, that people can love and, 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 and grow to love, is, is, is going to be key. Mm-mm-mm. Um, where do you look at to get uh, to get inspiration? Well, for me, it's probably going to be quite different from most people within the textile industry. But in what I'm working in at the moment, I would have to say that it's the recycling industry and the, and the tech industry. Hmm. Uh, okay. And I believe those two industries will, will come together uh, yeah. in, in, in many ways. And I think that that's where we're going to see a lot of uh, advances. And I think we'll see a lot of advances in recycling Uh, both in packaging and in, in textiles over the next five years. There's, there's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. at the moment on, on recycling. And yeah. a lot of industries, big industries, are rushing to catch up on what I think has mm-hmm. been a lack of focus and a lack, lack of investment in, in recycling and tech. So I think those are going to be yeah. very influential uh, players in the textile industry in the next five years. Okay. What is the last piece of clothes you bought? Yeah, that would be, I bought a pair of uh, organic cotton jeans from the brand Nudie. And, uh, oh, great. Yeah, that was back in... I just, I just interviewed them. Yeah, cool. <laughs> back in January. So, I mean, lockdown okay. had a little bit to do with it. But yeah, the last, the last item I bought was uh, yeah, January. Ten, uh, Excellent. Yeah. Great, great brand. Who is the personality you would like to listen to in this podcast? Uh, that, that to me is really clear, but it's, 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 it's not someone to do with textiles or fashion. It would be Sir David Attenborough. He's uh, been a, a hero of mine since I was very young, and uh, he's also a, a champion for preservation of the oceans, and he mm-hmm. is, of course, credited with uh, creating a, a worldwide uh, consciousness of, of the problem of plastic pollution. So I would love to hear Sir David Attenborough speak on your Amazing. Amazing. Great. Thank you so much, Mark. Um, all the best to you and, uh, and Sequel and, uh, and hope to, to see you in real in the, on the next uh, PV session. I hope so. Yes, for sure. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast till the end. If you want to support this initiative, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you follow. Just click on the subscribe button, rate it five stars and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to share the podcast on your favorite social media. Thank you for listening to Smart Creation, the podcast, an invitation to explore the potential of sustainable fashion.